0: very warm well. welcome to the program, everybody. This is sport Box, and these are your headlines. Standard Chartered Tops Forecasts as rising rates, bolster, net interest, income, spurring the Asia focused lender to a 40% jump in quarterly profit. Andy Halford is right next to me in the studio. We will speak to the CFO of the business. We could have just taken the shot instead of having a slate up there with your face on. As gorgeous as you are, Andy, we will catch up with Andy Halford in just a few minutes here. Let's talk about Santander, the company posting net profit of 2.4 billion euros in the third quarter. The Spanish lender confident that it will hit its targets for the year despite inflationary pressures.
1: Google parent Alphabet misses on both the top and bottom lines for the third straight quarter. while a sharp slowdown in ad spending sends a bad omen ahead of other big tech earnings this week.
2: Our reported results reflect the effect of foreign exchange. The growth in our advertising revenues was also impacted by lapping last year's elevated growth levels and the challenging macro climate.
1: And Microsoft sinks despite beating the street as it warns of a marked slowdown in its cloud computing business and posts its lowest revenue growth in five years.
0: morning all, well, let's start off the program in the banking sector. Before we get to Andy Halford of Standard Chartered, let me just mention Deutsche Bank. It's a beat as far as uh, the consensus numbers are concerned from Deutsche Bank this morning. The group giving us a Q3 net result attributable to shareholders of 1.115 billion euros. Analysts were looking for something sub a billion about 835 million euros so this is better net revenues in at 6.9 billion euros Uh, fixed sales and trading revenues up 38 percent the group provisioning for credit losses of 350 million euros i would uh, vouch that that's a relatively modest number given how concerned everybody is about the macro picture for europe and in particular for Germany, given the uh, state of the energy related uh, cost crisis, the CEO says we are well on track to meet our 2022 goals. Investment banking revenues expected to be slightly higher in 2022, which is quite remarkable given that I think the overall message is one of institutional clients de risking and retail clients also being less adventurous, preferring to park cash on deposit. At least, Karen, that was the message I got from UBS yesterday as they were talking about risk aversion among their client base. So I think it's very interesting here that the Deutsche Bank message this morning is we got a big jump in third quarter profit. despite. The tail-off in deal-making that we're seeing globally. They also think investment banking revenues will be higher for 2022. Let me flag up the fact that Germana will be speaking with the Deutsche Bank CFO, James Van Molke. That's an interview pencilled in for 7.30 Central European Time.
1: I've got numbers crossing from UniCredit here, just pouring through the detail. Four-year 2022 net profit seen in the order of 4.8 billion euros. The company telling us uh, CET1 ratio is at 15.41% at the end of September. The Q3 net profit line 1.07 billion euros versus a profit of uh, just a flat on the 1 billion euro mark. An average company provided consensus. The revenue line that has crossed at €4.83 billion in the third quarter versus uh, consensus seen for a little bit lower than that 4.51 so it seems to be a beat on the net interest line 2.48 billion versus 2.45 billion seen in consensus so again another beat when it comes to uh, net interest the uh, fee side and again as we are talking about client activity this is key q3 net fees are seen very much in line with consensus 1.65 billion so hitting that key metric the q3 net profit line just to pull that out for you again, $1.7 billion versus uh, the flat profit of $1 billion in the uh, consensus. So the numbers here, I think, interesting as we see um, the turnaround performance, the execution by Andrea Orsell as he tries to pivot the business towards the head of the pack. I think uh, we saw some very strong comments recently from Handelsblatt where he was hoping to sort of supersize the business and get it back on track.
0: So Standard Chartered posted a 40% jump in third quarter, profit driven largely on the back of interest-based income. The lender also reporting a doubling in credit impairment charges due to a slowdown across its key economies. But I think it's just worth giving you the numbers here because, again, I would vouchsafe that these are a modest increase. Uh, given the macro concerns that we see in the markets more broadly. So we've gone from $120 million to $227 million in terms of credit impairment charges for the third quarter. Andy Halford, as I say, is with us this morning, the CFO of Standard Chartered. Andy, nice to see you. Uh, Welcome. Look, before we dive into some of the details here, maybe just characterise the quarter for us. How did you feel about it?
2: So I would step back and say in the majority of the countries, we are now pulling nicely out of the COVID era. Businesses are now coming back. They're now starting to spend. Their capital expenditure programmes are now kicking into gear. And we've been a beneficiary both of the increase in activity, but also with interest rates rising. The two together have propelled us to a 20% top line increase, which is the fifth consecutive quarter now of increases on our top line. um, Asia-Pacific
0: is a bit of a conundrum at the moment. You've got the greater China story with China in the centre and the policies that they've pursued, which we know have been detrimental to growth momentum. Um, And then you've got the broader APAC region, which which seems to be doing better and fits in with that story that you're describing here. To what extent do you think um, China and Hong Kong will continue to be a drag?
2: So, I would agree that it is sort of split into the two parts, although for us it's not quite as stark as that, because the GDP numbers for China are broad overall economy numbers. We are not a broad overall bank in China. We are a specialist in serving international corporates, particularly with cross-border activity. So what we've actually seen is import and export activity has been very strong into China. And hence our China business has actually done really well. It also actually posted about a 20 percent increase in income in this last quarter. So the bit that we do focus upon in China particularly has been very strong. And then, as you say, the rest of APAC, the Singapore's, etc., really, I think, are pulling through now. Covid is becoming a thing of the past and the talk about inflation that we hear of so much in the western world is much less of a discussion in those markets they're not immune from it but it is not the biggest item
1: and More broadly as we take a look at the business and the interest rate story as you mentioned 11% up uh, in terms of the rise in interest rates on uh, the net interest income uh, stunning I think uh, many market participants looking at banks in a slightly different light to what they have over the past decade finally having this uh, net interest expansion story but at what point Do we see destruction from the growth story because now the concerns that we may see some sort of pause by central banks after all this aggressive monetary action?
2: I think when people look back over the last few years, they will realise that the combination of banks operating at very low rates of interest, which is economically challenging, plus COVID laid on top, has been quite a handful. Now that we're actually moving beyond the COVID era in most markets, probably China the exception and we are seeing the rates coming back but the rates are coming back to more normal levels it's not like they're jumping to super normal levels you know three percent interest rates by long-term standards so I think what we're actually seeing is banks starting to get back into a rhythm which I actually think for society is a good thing because they need to be robust and as governments like in this country start to get the economy going the role that banks can play in that if they're well capitalized and they're strong will be much more influential
1: I take your point about the direction and if you compare historically where interest rates have been, but if you think about the consumer, uh, business, retail customers, they are not used to this type of environment. Right. Very low interest rate for a long period of time. Now we've seen rapid increases and even scaremongering too around what a fallout may be from a mini budget here in the UK. Yes. How do you think consumers will weather this economic A scenario with rapidly increasing rates?
2: Yes, I think for for a lot of consumers you're right you know three percent is three more than they have been used to so in that sense it is higher Um, but in a lot of the markets we're in we're actually not seeing stresses in our credit book. Um, The credit impairment charges that we took in the quarter were really down to two things one the country downgrades of certain geographies and secondly in the China commercial real estate area which has been difficult we took some charges there as many have done. If you actually put those two on one side we took very little charges on the rest of our normal ongoing activity. So, do we monitor it absolutely? Are we wary of it? Yes, we are. But at this point in time, and particularly as the rates sort of come through, a lot of people are on fixed rate mortgages, so it doesn't impact immediately. So, I think so long as there's a drip feed through over a period of time, I think this will be very manageable. So, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, but well, yeah, well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, you took a uh, you took a charge, I think, in the uh, in the first half. So there's, there's a little one here for the third quarter. What's your best guess as what happens with the Chinese real estate story here, given that she now has a third term?
2: Um, I think it has a little bit more to run. Um, time-wise there's been a lot of actions that the government have announced in China to try to get things back on an even footing but they do tend to take a bit of a period of time so our sense is that this will still be somewhat challenging probably through the majority of next year but definitely on a track that is to a better place.
0: Do you think you are a target for the new Prime Minister for additional windfall taxes? I mean, here here you are this morning reporting what a 40% uh, jump here in uh, uh, profits. Um, Do you think they'll look at Standard Charter then they'll think we can't resist the opportunity to try and extract a little bit more cash given the situation we find ourselves in in the UK?
2: I I, I don't know, um, the honest answer, time will tell on that. Um, The returns we're making are higher but arguably still not yet fully covering the cost of the capital of running the bank. So I think one needs to be careful about it. Um, Second, it is a sector that does already pay a premium rate of corporate tax. So, you know, we are over-contributing in a way to, to society. And I think the government also want to make sure, back to my previous point, that banks are strong. And that as we start to get the economy out of its current malaise, banks playing an active role in that, not being constrained by the balance sheet, is an important thing to do. I'm sure the government will factor all of those into their thinking.
1: I just want to tackle the expenses side. Uh, looking at the numbers today, expenses up 3% to 2700000000 billion. Uh, you've mentioned increased investment spending, salary, inflation, performance-related pay accruals. We've had a warning uh, sound from a number of big banking CEOs overnight, uh, the Davos in the desert, talking about recession coming. We've seen some of the big US banks also pull back on activities. Are we going to see hiring cuts in the sector? And how are you thinking about the expenses side of the bank?
2: It's interesting. We see much more and hear much more talk of inflation in the western markets than we do in many of the markets in which we operate. Not that they're immune from inflation, but it certainly is not as big a concern. They're often not quite as big an energy consumer, for instance, therefore they don't have some of the same issues. So we are actually just charting a course which says, look, there will be more inflation in some countries, there will be less in other countries, we will work our way through this. So we're not planning on any headcount reductions, we will run the business as normal, we'll take account of the fact that there are some pressures on pay in some markets, but less so in other markets. So not a huge issue for us, but one which we keep a close eye on.
1: And I circle around the issue before around the UK, as a senior banker looking at the UK and uh, seeing how it's perceived internationally, any advice to Rishi Sunak now?
2: Well I I think a period now of stability, a period of maturity, uh, a period when we just think through logically what we need to do. It's obviously been um, an unfortunate period, I don't think we have painted ourselves in the best light globally, but now there is a chance to say okay we now move on, and I think a calm calm head and now just charting a course, which will take several quarters to work through, but I think that is absolutely what uh, he needs to do and what I'm sure with his new cabinet he will do.
0: Andy, you sound like you
2: need a job in the cabinet.
0: That's, that's such sensible advice. That's the kind of thing that we've needed over the last 45 days, is it, or 46 days, but anyway. Lovely to see you. And to have you back in the studio in particular. Thanks so much for that. And uh, Mr. Bill and Jose, if you catch up with them on the call. Um, Andy Halford, the CFO of Standard Chartered.
1: We're going to bounce to another set of earnings, uh, Centred, this time by third quarter numbers crossing the Q3 net interest line, 10.05 billion euros. The uh, nine month uh, net interest income uh, crossing at 28.46 billion euros just uh pouring through a couple lines here return on tangible equity rote that is at 13.57 at the end of september the uh, bank is saying it's on track to achieve its revenue profitability and capital targets for the year it's fully loaded core Tier one capital ratio 12.1 percent at the end of september uh, other lines here on efficiency. It expects to improve 2021 efficiency ratio and end the year close to its target despite inflationary pressures. Its Q3 net profit line, 2.42 billion euros. So uh, just uh, going through the numbers here, there's the board also makes some comments about uh, shareholder remuneration policy. Um, it is saying it's committed to that in its 2022 line to distribute to approximately 40% of underlying profit. And uh, I'm looking for any other interesting lines here about um, the business focus on supporting customers and transforming the business, improving connectivity across the group. So uh, I think the lines are interesting. Nothing exactly jumping out of this point. And if you think about last time round, mm. when we were talking about downturns, crises, this was one of the banks that we were watching for the impairments, obviously, and yeah. clearly a different business model these days. I
0: don't know what's going on here, Karen. The European corporates clearly haven't got the message. We're supposed to be heading into a recession. Okay. And yet these, these numbers generally are not that bad. And Mercedes, I think, just adding to to that message this morning the group has raised its ebit view for 2022 to significantly above 2021 the group Says um, the adjusted return on sales, which is a, an important measure for Mercedes here, 14.5%. So we saw 14.2% in the previous quarter, which was a strong figure, and 10.1% for the vans business. So that's a reflection on commercial purchases. For fleet vans, the return on sales uh, is 12.7% for the third quarter. So, those are robust numbers for the third quarter in what we're being told is a difficult and tough environment. And I think we know it is for the consumer because of inflation and because of the cost of energy. But generally, I think the numbers presented here by Mercedes Benz look strong. The group raising its outlook for the cars division from uh, to 13 to 15% going forward uh, and giving us an, a, uh, an adjusted EBIT for the third quarter of 5.34 billion euros. Sh-
1: shall we just talk about signposts here because this could change down the track, but so far the line mm-hmm. here around pricing demand, robust demand and healthy pricing for cars and vans. At what point does that change? What point does the robust demand story get altered? And of course, separate to that, at what point does this healthy pricing environment that they're talking about, that they're enjoying and they're riding off the back of, what point does that change as well because of the demand story?
0: No, absolutely. And I think particularly people that are buying cars on finance, I think there's a massive um, sticker shock adjustment coming in terms of the headline interest rates you're going to have to pay on those PCP agreements and whether um, those PCP deals continue to fly off the shelves I think it will be interesting to see because clearly the auto sector is very dependent on financing and credit at the moment. On a programming note we will catch up with the CFO of uh, Mercedes that is Harold Wilhelm that conversation will be uh, a little later at 7:40 Central European Time.
1: And coming up we're going to circle back to the big tech numbers, Alphabet and Microsoft shares slump in extended trade after the tech giant post disappointing quarterly results we'll discuss after the break.
0: And I'm told that the podcast this morning is a cracking listen. So do go out and find out more about the flurry of results from European banks and how Andy Halford sees Standard Chartered performing over the coming quarter and next year. We'll be right back, everybody.
1: A lot of earnings crossing this morning. Just a quick update on Unicredit. Reuters issuing a slight correction on some of the numbers. It says it sees its full year 2022 net profit at above, that is above, 4.8 billion euros, not at... 4.8 billion euros so just a minor tweak there from Reuters Alphabet shares slumped in after hours trade after the tech giant posted lower than expected earnings and revenue for the third quarter meanwhile shares in Microsoft also fell in the extended trade after the company reported softer cloud revenue in its fiscal first quarter and gave weak guidance. So let's get to Arjun for more. Arjun, we were setting this up before the numbers crossed yesterday. What do you think as we saw the final detail?
3: Yeah, we were sp- speaking yesterday about some of the softness we saw in snaps numbers in relation to advertising. we certainly seen that now filter through to um, Alphabet. Now, if you look at ad revenue, yes, there was a slight uptick in growth, but very, very weak growth as well. Uh, and importantly, YouTube ad revenue fell 2%. It's the first time we've seen a decline in that revenue since the company started breaking out figures in 2019. Now, YouTube seen as a way for, for Alphabet and Google in particular to, to diversify away from just search advertising. And clearly, this has been a big boost for the company. Uh, it's a very sticky platform for users. It garners a lot of interest from advertisers. So that decline there in YouTube ad is actually something uh, that is a bit of a concern as well. And I think we heard from management there they are seeing a pullback in ad spend from uh, businesses as they cut budgets uh, and as they hold back spending potentially uh, in this uncertain environment. So that was really uh, the highlights for, for Alphabet here. Cloud, though, a bright spot. That uh, revenue for that division coming in ahead of expectation. Cloud seen as a key driver of growth, still a small part of the business, still behind the likes of Microsoft and Amazon. But clearly, uh, at least Google here is seeing growth in what could become a very important division in the future.
0: Fascinating, uh, this this trend in digital advertising. What do you think is going on here? Is this companies shrinking budgets or is the is it that the advertising is going somewhere else? So is mm-hmm. is YouTube losing it to TikTok and other platforms? What's your read? I think over the past few months, it's
3: very much been more competition. It is about uh, ad dollars going elsewhere uh, to perhaps Instagram Reels, but also don't forget TikTok. This is, yeah, as you mentioned, a very key uh, player now that's really disrupted the ad market somewhat. And you've seen a lot of the the big tech giants in the US respond with their own sort of short video competitors to TikTok, but haven't actually been as successful. So it has been a story about competition, but I think. This quarter and and the coming quarters really are about the uncertain economic environment. It will be about advertisers cutting budgets here and being a lot more selective as to where they put their money. Now, that could, in some senses, uh, benefit these larger players. But I think at the moment, it's just a downward trajectory as uh, these advertisers are really reassessing uh, their budgets, not just for uh, next quarter, but also for, for the coming quarters ahead.